Welcome to chapel this morning. Glad that you're here. We have a different and unique time of worship this morning. As we have done every other Wednesday of Lent thus far, Dr. Burleson will be out toward the end of our service and share with us a word. But before that, we're going to worship in a way that will be different, somewhat unfamiliar to some of you. But it's been really exciting, the last two chapels. And so I'm excited for us to do this together. I also want to make you aware that we have uh, several chapels still left between now and the end of the semester. And the last couple of weeks, we've had to ask several people to leave due to just conversations. Um, obviously, we all know the electronic device rule, except for that guy. He doesn't know. That, can, can you bump him? Can you just do this? Yeah, don't, yeah, put that away. Thank you. That's awkward. It wasn't awkward for me. <laughs> but. I don't even know what to do about that. Okay. But there's been conversations where people have been talking really, pretty loudly about things that don't have to do with chapel. And so I'm just asking you to lean in and care for what's going on here in this place and what God is doing in our midst. And so we'll do that today together. I also want to make you aware that if you have ever considered ministry as your life's calling, there is seminary day going on over at the Bobo Spiritual Life Center, and you're welcome to go over there. There are seminaries from all over the country who are there and willing and eager to answer questions that you may have regarding seminary. When I was your age, I did not know what seminary was, what it meant, and then several years later, I ended up attending seminary right here at Truett Theological Seminary at Baylor. And so I hope that you'll go over there if you have any questions. And now, focused, leaning in, ready to worship, let's acknowledge God in this place together. I invite you to join with me in this responsive reading. As we travel, may we be lost in you on a path that is sure but unknown, with steps that are calculated and free, under sky that is vast and a sun that is warm. We have come this far on our journey to you. A valley has formed beneath us, a mountain range around us. It is dim and the sun is setting. It's as if we have arrived, but are we not constantly arriving? We find rest here in your center. We find peace here, surrounded by your chaos. We begin again. So people groups all over the world for centuries have sung together and created songs. Many times the people groups are in uh, persecution, being persecuted by some organization or some government, or sometimes it's people that are in exile due to that persecution. And uh, my dad actually grew up as a sharecropper in Mississippi, and that means that he, they didn't own any land or anything. They were just dirt poor, and they would go and pick cotton on other people's land for, for peanuts and uh, just try to scrape by. And one of the things that I'm aware of that are part of that um, society and that part of the world is song 
and musical expression of God and what God has for us. And so uh, I know the civil rights movement produced so many spirituals that we still sing today and talk about our own freedom. And so as people who are observing Lent and observing the fact that we are mentally trying to place ourselves in the desert with Christ for the 40 days. And so as people who are in exile, I wondered if we might sing together like people who are traditionally in exile. And that would mean just singing, no instruments, nothing accompanying us, just our voices. I'll be honest with you, the last two chapels, the, the music has been phenomenal. And I know that some of you sing um, better than others, and that's okay. But a few of you might say, you know what, I actually can rock some harmonies really well. And if that's you, then do that, please, because it'll make the sound really full and really nice. But we're going to do that together this morning. So let's stand together. We'll sing some familiar hymns, and I'll, I'll stand with you. And we'll just start like this. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, holy, holy. together are all journeying through the desert and that the cross is far away in the distance 
and we're anticipating our arrival there in that place. And maybe we would be singing something like this. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of Amen. You can have a seat. Movement. There had always been movement. Whenever we found ourselves lost or wandering or distant from guides, we found the faith to continue moving. I had always relied on that movement. I had always felt strong and continuing. I wasn't lost if I was moving. But we stopped. Everything slowed. Everything paused. I expected the blur around us to focus. I thought that maybe in our pause, in our stopping, we would see more things clearly. I told myself this because I was afraid of stopping. I had relied so much on movement that anything different needed to be explained. I needed to explain it to myself. Stopping was good. Stopping was a part of our journey. Stopping meant clarity. Stopping meant purpose. Stopping meant answers. But the days seemed endless and the nights infinite. No answers came, no purpose was exposed, and there was no clarity, only obscurity. Were we lost? Was this not a part of the plan? Had someone screwed up? Who decided to stop? And why did they decide that? This is pointless. Let's keep moving. We have to keep moving. Stopping obviously isn't getting us anywhere. Good experiment, guys, but I think we've learned our lesson. No one moved. I left. If I wasn't going to find answers in waiting, then I certainly wasn't going to wait. There were some woods off to the west. I went there. Movement came back to me quickly. It was like I had never really stopped. Like I had never really stopped? But I had stopped. We had stopped for days. I know we had. I remember. Nothing happened. We didn't move. I must have stopped. The woods were cool. 
Limbs and leaves now blocked the sunlight that I had in the stopping place. And that was okay. I liked the cold. It was hard to, but it was hard to be quiet here. That made me nervous. Every step I took was like a cannon blast in the stillness of these woods. The ground was covered in broken branches and dead leaves. It was a minefield of noise, every step louder than the one before. I thought about running. If I ran, my deafening steps would blend together. I might even drift into white noise. So I ran. I ran until I was out of breath. I ran until I was tired. I ran until I fell. I thought of those that I left back at the stopping place. Were they still waiting? Was their stillness overwhelming? Could I return? Should I return? Did they know that I was gone? Here in the woods, I became increasingly aware of my individualism, my aloneness. What I once saw as an opportunity for answers only left me with more questions. And had I ever really stopped? I got up. I turned around. I could see remnants of my path through the woods, where I had once stepped carefully and then carelessly. I followed myself back, back to the stopping place, back to the others. When I stepped out of the woods, the sun washed over me. I didn't realize how cold I had been. Someone saw me. She waved as if to say, hey, we're over here now. And before I knew, I, before I knew it, I was waving back. I was smiling, too. She smiled and gestured for me to join the group she was with. As I got closer to them, my fears from the woods whispered back. Had they even noticed I was gone? Were they upset with me for leaving? I would be. Before I knew it, though, I was with them again, and all I heard was a softly spoken welcome back. Sing with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
Another thing the people of God through the generations have done together is pray prayers of confession, saying around one another that we have all fallen. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we're going to do that today in a little bit of a different way. There'll be a video that plays, but I really want you to pay attention to the lyric. It's about two minutes long, and the lyric is a prayer of confession. So my hope is that we would all be led to pray the prayer of confession that's being sung over us. So with that in mind, let's pray together this morning with our eyes wide open. Oh, merciful God. gospel narratives at the end as Jesus dies there aren't too many near the cross and that's understandable Jesus is suffering so very much and as Christians have proclaimed it somehow bearing the world's suffering our suffering is his suffering and he is revealing something as he dies he's revealing that the brokenness of the world must be born it will always be born I sometimes Picture an ocean of human hurt. And every one of us has a toe in that ocean. Know it or not. 
It's just a part of what it means to be a human being. We're all spokes in the divine wheel. And so we're connected to God and therefore connected to one another. So everyone is a part of everything. We all have a toe in the ocean of the world's hurt. Like Jesus was, I think we are impacted by the world's pain. Things may be fine in our neighborhood on any given day. Things may be just right in any life. Any one of us may think we don't have a care in the world, but it's not really true. Because everyone is a part of everything. Whatever happens in Syria today, or in any dark place, or in any sad or sinful life, is something to which we are connected. We bear it. Last week, we had a student death here at Baylor. And what I can tell, from what I can tell, this young man was bearing a great burden. He hadn't chosen it, but somehow his heart seemed exposed to it, and it was just too much. And now his pain is part of what we carry as a community. Most of us didn't know him, but everyone is connected to everything, and that's especially true when we're in some chosen community. I wouldn't be surprised then if many of us aren't even unaware carrying a piece of that sadness and that loss. Maybe it's been a harder week than usual because of it. Throughout the ages, the saints wrote of weeping for the world. It seemed to be a sign that we were near to Christ, which makes sense to me. Those who truly follow, follow all the way to the cross where Jesus is suffering. And his suffering is for us, but it is also an invitation to us to take up our cross. And when we do, we weep. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. These are some of the first words that Matthew records for us just right off the bat in the ministry of Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn. Apparently, mourning is a path to the deep comfort of God. It's the way into God's gracious heart. It's the path offered to us in the cross. So a yes to Christ is a yes to bearing a part of the world's pain and doing that on purpose. We all bear it. We're all carrying something, know it or not, Followers of Jesus are the ones who choose to know it in order that it might be redeemed. Lent wants to take us right there to that reality Paul called the fellowship of his suffering. Lent wants to wake us up to that, to all that we bear, and maybe to that specific brokenness that we're called to bear personally. Lent invites us to a consciousness about that. In the garden, the night before he dies, Jesus says to his followers, stay awake with me. It's a part of what friendship with Jesus means. We stay awake to suffering, his, ours, and the world's. If we don't, if we remain unaware of our hurt and the world's hurt, we will always add to the world's pain. We have to hold it consciously or we'll project it out unconsciously. We have to hold the pain in and around us consciously, or we'll project it unconsciously out there 
onto someone else. A decision to follow Jesus to the cross is a decision to hold with God a part of the world's suffering. There's no option here to stand near the cross where very few choose to stand is to share in God's redemptive suffering. But it is also there in the shadow of the cross where we perceive just the hint of a sunrise on the horizon. Standing there where we bear witness to the truth that everything costs so very much, we're also able to bear witness to the hope that everything is being redeemed. We share, Paul says, in the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, that we might share in his life. Weeping remains for a night, but joy, joy comes in the morning. Before we go, without grabbing backpacks, just in the stillness here, I want us to pray together as a community for Josh Partridge's family. His funeral service will be tomorrow, uh, Friday. If anyone here knew Josh and would like to go with me, I'll, I'll be going down and you can let me know. But I want to trust in this reality that somehow we're a part of the life of God and in that, not separate from what they're going through in this moment, even though we don't know them, perhaps. So let's trust in that as we pray for them. God, we lift our prayers to you knowing there are things we can't begin to say. We don't even have words. The things that seem to matter most are beyond our telling. So we simply open our hearts to you knowing that you care far more, far more deeply than we can begin to imagine about bringing comfort to this family as they mourn. We remember them to you now and hold them before you. Josh's mom, his dad, and his little sister. That they might find also in the midst of this darkness some glimmer of hope on the horizon. We pray they might be able to see that, to see that too. Through Christ we pray. Amen.